0: This is Science 2034. 20 years ago, the Science Coalition was formed to strengthen federal support for basic scientific and engineering research. We tell the stories of what federally funded research has made possible and what will be reality 20 years from now. Our guest today, Brett DePaola, a professor at Kansas State University, who predicts that by 2034, cold atom technology will help researchers build better atomic clocks.
1: What my main emphasis on is in coherent control, so the idea is to use these lasers to excite atoms and molecules in ways that if you were not using coherent sources, you couldn't do. You can get atoms to just a gnat's eyelash above uh, absolute zero. I mean, these atoms are very cold, moving very slowly. The thing that I think will develop in the future is not making them even colder but rather what you can do with them when they're at this very, very low temperature. Right now you have things called a Bose-Einstein condensate, which gives you a large, is, say something big enough to see with the naked eye, uh, uh, ensemble of atoms that is acting like a single quantum mechanical entity. We use these for a lot of different things. And one of the things that people are using these for is making better atomic clocks. If the atoms are moving very slowly, you have a longer time to interrogate the atoms, and a longer time to interrogate the atoms makes makes your information you get from them even better. And this is how an atomic clock works. You you interrogate atoms, you you excite an atom, you watch it decay, and and by doing this kind of measurement on the atoms, you you get a, a, a measurement of the decay time of the atom, you could say. And this forms a natural clock for nature. Right now, uh, to get really the most accurate time measurements doing this kind of technique uh, takes something like a month or so of constant measuring. And that's that's great. But I think in the future, I mean, clocks are getting better because the atoms are cold and, and just the technology of working with these very cold atoms is getting better. I think that instead of month to make this kind of measurement, we're talking uh, minutes, uh, or or maybe even a day, uh, in worst case, to make the same kind of measurement, to get the same kind of time accuracy, to get the same kind of quality clock. GPS, which everyone uses, Nowadays, um, is is based on clock technology. Basically, you have signals coming from satellites, and triangulation is done by the, your little GPS device. And then with that triangulation, you you can your device figures out where you are. But part of that triangulation uh, requires knowing uh, the time, the exact time it is in these three different satellites that are being used to triangulate. Better clocks means uh, improved navigation. Uh, If you're using an accelerometer-based system, something that basically measures how fast you accelerate or decelerate, and then computes your position from that, that also requires really accurate clocks. Uh, Another um, application that we're sort of, man on the street is sort of unaware of, is that internet data transmission, it relies on good clocks. Better clocks means faster, better, less error-prone uh, data transmission. And we're all relying on the Internet nowadays. So these are the kind of things where we won't even be, you know, we won't even notice the difference that a great clock, a better clock makes. Uh, we'll just see that things are getting better and better, but but the man on the street won't realize that a lot of that improvement will be from better quality clocks. We're talking about a factor of 100 more precision in the near future, I think
0: your work has been supported in part by the u s Department of Energy. Talk for a minute about why federal funding for this research is so important
1: well it's it 's difficult for companies to come up with money to fund these things because an awful lot of this research, all the work done in my lab, is what they call basic research we don 't know that a product's going to come out of this. Uh, the days of Bell Labs funding just basic research, knowing that something will eventually come, down, come out of it 20 years later, those days seem to be gone. So industry needs, when they invest money in something, they need a product, and they need, they need to know what product they're going to get out, and they need it pretty quick with a, with a relatively well-defined timeline. And, and so it's really tough to get funding on this kind of basic research um, Uh, From industry. On the other hand, um, we know that basic research leads to very practical products. I mean, microwave ovens, I mean, all kinds of different things came out originally from basic research, even lasers themselves, which are in supermarket scanners and everywhere. Well, all this came out of basic research, but there's usually about a 20 to 25-year lag between when the basic research was started and when an actual product came out. And we don't even know if there's a product going to come out, and we don't know how useful the product will be. We know historically that, that many great products come out of basic research, but we can't say doing this research will generate a product. Well, we know that all these products and all this Technology coming out is good for the country, and we know that it can't happen without funding because the apparatus is so expensive. Uh, So where else can we look to but to the government to try to invest in the
0: future? And in addition to the results you're achieving, labs like yours are critically important for training the next generation of scientists and researchers in the United States. What
1: we do in our laboratories... And, and by that, I also include um, the theorists who are in their offices with their computers. Uh, what we're doing—you, you, you just—it it costs money, not just for the salaries to pay these students, but for the equipment that we use. And you, 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 you just don't—the students just don't learn this in the classroom. They learn all the fundamentals, but you only learn. Uh, how to How to carry on with this research how to how to take it to the next level by using state of the art tools the lasers, the oscilloscopes, the electronics, everything and without these facilities and without the infrastructure you 're just not able to train these students. We have students coming in incredibly bright students coming in from countries where they have absolutely no infrastructure for, for, for training. These kids come in, and we have to bring them up from absolutely nothing in terms of technology to where we are now. And, and you can imagine, I, I can only imagine, gosh, if, if we didn't have the technology, our students would be in the situation where those kids are, where they're, these young people are coming in and can't contribute. Unless they go somewhere else where there is technology to, to develop. Now, an awful lot of these young people coming to the U.S. where they don't have the technology or infrastructure in their own country, they come here, make valuable contributions in the laboratory, and many of them want to stay here and contribute to our technological well-being of our country because we have the infrastructure. If we didn't have the infrastructure, I think we'd have a tremendous brain drain. Our students would have to go to, well, South Korea, for example, which puts an awful lot into funding research, or to Germany or one of these other countries where it is a priority. And the, the, the resulting brain drain is just terrible. So it's... it's one, we wouldn't be training all those students that come from outside the country into the US and, and then contribute so mightily to, to our technology base. And two,
0: we would lose our own
1: students to other countries uh, that do decide to, to invest in, in, uh, in, in, in this way.
0: Professor Brett DePaola of Kansas State University, thank you for joining us on Science 2034.